Welcome to episode number 89 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, Fairway Jay. We talk all the big bets, all the big news, all the big happenings in this crazy gambling world, and we have a lot of those things to talk about. On this very episode, College National Championship, we have a champion. We have two Super Bowl teams. We have a cheating scandal. We have a new uh, sports betting handicapping contest. I have three quarters of a voice. Everything is great on the podcast this week. Looking forward to blasting through all this with my guys here. Of course, as always, we're on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, any place that you find podcasts. So please go subscribe, rate, review. Give us a five-star let us know what's going on. It helps people find this podcast, and we really appreciate it. If you want to follow us on the Twitter machine at the Lions US and at PlayPix US as well. Well, let's kick things off here, Brett. Um, we have a national champion. It is the LSU Fighting Tigers. It is the LSU version of the Tigers. It is not the Clemson version <laughs> of the Tigers. Um, I we talked about it on the podcast here. I had LSU at four and at four and a half, so it was a good financial. Uh, good financial thing for me, and it was also a very good emotional thing for me. Didn't you? Didn't you middle the total as well? Is that, is that what I saw? And I did middle the total. What a as night well. for you, bro! Yeah, I did middle the total as well. So yeah, it was a it was a hell of a night. There's no doubt about that. Uh, any everything from top to bottom got me uh, got me home there. And then uh, I, I will say this: I did not cry though. I did not cry. I expected maybe there would be some. Uh, an outpouring of emotion from inside of me, but I did not cry. Everything was uh, everything was on the up and up, and yeah, we enjoyed it and went down there with a ton of friends and got some good seats and um, everything. Just uh, everything went basically as perfectly as humanly possible. Jay, I know you were contemplating getting on the Clemson side on this one. Did you? Did you end up go ahead and uh, firing on Clemson on this thing? Very small play, but I I really had a tough time coming to a good conclusion, unlike the NFL games. But this was a tough one to me, and I definitely could see cases for both sides. I know the Clemson defense seemed to have some support to maybe slow LSU a little bit, but, God, over 600 yards offense. Uh, Burrow and the uh, Tigers were just too much and well-deserved a national champion and a tremendous season for them. And I think one of the best offensive performances, quarterbacks performances we've seen in history for a full season. Yeah, it I honestly, and this was actually, I'm glad you brought that up because this is kind of my next question to you guys. I mean, we saw the instant reactions, you know, right after the game was over by all the, you know, sports head, sports talking heads and stuff across the country, basically trying to pose the question, is this the greatest college football team of all time? And you start to look, you start to compare resumes and whatnot. And listen, Obviously, we're all too young to remember the teams from the 40s and 50s and 60s and stuff. So like, let me just kind of repose it to a question I think that we can answer. And, uh, Brett, I'll start with you. Is this the greatest college football team, at least of your uh, not even necessarily of your lifetime, because you've heard about teams that happened a little bit before you were born or something. So let's just say like of your basically life and generation. I can't remember a more dominant season. What they did in that conference with that strength of schedule is I, I can't I can't think of anything close to it, honestly. I mean, they beat what four of the top five ranked teams in the country and handily they were rarely tested all season and just dominated the semifinal, dominated most of the championship game. It was it was incredible. What I mean, what an unbelievable team. And Jay is uh, is is what you saw from this LSU squad, this offense in particular. But I mean, look, you know, I guess you can you got to tip your hat a little bit, I guess, to the to the defense as well towards the end of the season there with, with what they were able to kind of come together and do. Um, does this compare to any team off the top of your head or do you think that this probably stands out as as the top? Well, I think Burrow's performance as a quarterback was the best I can recall, um, not only statistically, but just performance week after week. And and as a team, I, I certainly think some of the Alabama teams with their dominant defenses, I, I know going back, and I'd hate to bring this up just to you, when they beat LSU in a championship game 21 nothing, that Alabama team was dominant. Their defense was dominant. But this overall you know, work and then coming out of the best conference. That was the biggest thing. I think when I evaluated this against Clemson, Clemson's statistical profile late in the season, along with Ohio state was the best we had seen in decades. They, they were saying, you know, no team had allowed less than like 240 yards over the course of a season. They didn't quite get there ultimately. And you see when the strength of schedule comes in, 
as uh, as you guys mentioned, LSU beat some of the top teams throughout the season, and coming out of that conference, this would be put them right up among the best teams I think we've seen in the last decade plus. So, Brad, uh, one of the things I think that anyone that pays attention to sports betting Twitter certainly saw, and and you know a lot of a lot of advertising, and, and look, we understand it; it's free marketing for these sports books. They take to Twitter, they go in. They'll give you some information on what's going on inside of, of the of the room over there, we think, anyway. At least that is kind of what uh, people were starting to question, trying, trying to wonder if, you know, the the sharp action in some of these games that, that, that we're hearing getting posted about is actually sharp action or if they're using, uh, you know, the, the free marketing tools and social media to try and, you know, get the casual better to lean or go a certain way. Um, I don't know if I have a super strong opinion on this one way or the other, but we certainly know that uh, sports betting Twitter is always going to be looking for something to talk about. Yeah, I mean, this could be complete bullshit, but it does open a path to a bigger discussion about the information we are getting from the sports books via social media. So we saw chatter on Twitter about the books needing money on Clemson and some of them claiming that sharp money was coming in on Clemson hours before kickoff. And then the accusation, of course, was that books were fibbing about the sharp action in order to get people to follow. And that drives action on Clemson to help balance their book. Do I believe that was happening in this specific case? I, you know, I'm not really sure, but it does make me question the information we are getting from these operators daily, because it would be easy to fabricate these numbers and tell people that a sharp bet just came in and people love to shallow or to follow the sharp better. So you know, driving a narrative toward one side would be smart in a lot of cases. Uh, I tend to be careful about what we're publishing at the lines that's coming from the the, the operators because this, you know, this is data that, that doesn't really tell us anything. You know, we get information about like 70% of the money and 60% of the bets on so-and-so, but where's that's, the context? That's, like, I was going to say that is, that is in of itself – uh, nothing more than um, it, for entertainment purposes only, essentially. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, for example, if you guys were following and, you know, this is, uh, the, you know, we'll talk in depth about this, but, you know, the, the Mattress Matt came back. Well, uh, you know, him putting down large bets, that shades, I mean, that completely shifts where the quote unquote all the money is. You know, I mean, like when a guy is putting down a $500,000 bet, where the money is on a game has now shifted by one single dude who no one would ever consider to be sharp. You know, so it's whenever you start trying to follow just kind of this this information without context, as you just mentioned, it's it really is a little bit of a slippery slope. Yeah. And without that additional information, you know, the data is next to useless. So like you said, uh, entertainment purposes only be careful about what you're looking at before you're making it. Don't let that data uh, make your final decision about a side is what I would say. You know, Jay, this is something I think we've talked about on, on the pod before, but it's probably worth we're, we're getting new listeners each and every week. And by the way, thank you for that out there. So it's worth us kind of bringing up again, you know, whenever we hear all this stuff about quote unquote sharp money, a lot of times it's just people speculating because we don't, unless a bookmaker, unless Jimmy Vaccaro is coming from behind the counter and, and sitting down on the set at Beeson with you and saying, yeah, this came from a guy we respect or whatever. Or yeah, you know, this is from a group that we respect or something like that. So unless you are getting a bookmaker who actually works and is telling you that that these bets or this money or whatever is coming from a, a you know prominent group or a really sharp single guy out there. This whole all the, like Brett said, like all this whole sharp money stuff is all bullshit. It is entertainment. I've been skeptical from day one when this when we saw more operators starting to publish it. And I'm on distribution lists as are as are you guys and, and we get it from uh, the, the, the the groups that we promote and assist, be it FanDuel, DraftKings, Points Bet, we get the data. Then you've got that. I get it from William Hill. Um, what's going on and, and post some of that. But then I get it from. You can go to Sports Insights and see the seven leading offshore bookmakers posting where the money's coming, the amount of bets, uh, the percentage of tickets, the amount of money coming into spreads, the amount 
money line, all of that. And I've always been a little skeptical of what that is. And when there's big money involved on the biggest games, that uh, that certainly leads to potential corruption in what's being reported. But you would hope that it's coming through um, uh, appropriately. But when you do see some of the, uh, like you guys said, some of the potential conspiracy and they're driving to drive some traffic or some money one way, it's, it's questionable at times. But um, I do, like you said, it's definitely for entertainment purposes. It is out there. We want to let people know that, you know, where the support is. And oftentimes it's probably on the favorite. But there are, I, the, like you said, the bookmakers are going to let us know sometimes when they take specific bets. And they'll say this is a house player or a player they respect. And that's kind of something to maybe keep in mind. But, you know, information is more readily available out there now. And you uh, – certainly consider following what some of this is posting but you have to be i think careful on on where where you're following and the amount of the amount of money that's coming in on each side uh one quick little takeaway when i was down that we went to a, a tailgate party before the game and a guy was talking about how he had uh, driven over to mississippi to to get a bet down before he came back over to the game and you know so i just naturally kind of went over and started chatting with him and as you would imagine uh, sec country pretty close to new orleans you know mississippi was going to be grabbing you know a ton of lsu money he actually showed me and brett he showed me with his i mean i physically saw it with my own eyes he had a clemson plus eight ticket like they had got that the this particular small book in mississippi had pumped clemson all the way up to eight because they were getting so much lsu money yeah that's incredible and it's just so fascinating to see where the lines move and how like how volatile they are in certain markets around the country and uh, wow, plus eight yeah. and uh, still uh, not, not even close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had intentions, he had intentions of going to bed LSU and he got there and he saw that the number that they were, wow. that they were offering was eight. And he was like, well, once, once they were offering eight, I just, I felt bad about doing it, but I felt like I should take more than a touchdown. I was like, no man, I get it. I'd have done the, I'd have done the same thing. So just flying yeah. through that key number. That's, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and of course, it's never too early to go ahead and post what's going to happen a complete year from now. So if anyone <laughs> is uh, if anyone's looking to lock their money up for, uh, you know, about 11 months, you can go ahead and uh, go ahead and bet on the Heisman Trophy, which is out. Justin Fields is the favorite at plus 350. Trevor Lawrence at plus 500. Those are your, your two favorites there. And then, of course, they went ahead and posted the national championship futures as well Clemson at two and a half to one Ohio State at two and a half to one Alabama at three and a half to one and then LSU comes in at 10 to one that is not enough to get on LSU is if you've been following in the days leading after this championship win every single player basically eligible to go to the NFL went not only that they lost a couple of coaches as well along the way uh, it's going to be a rebuilding year for the LSU fighting Tigers so do not do not look at that ten to one and say, "Oh, I'm getting ten to one on the on the defending champion." No, that thing would have to be way closer to twenty five, thirty to one for me to even be remotely interested in that. So. Yeah, it opened it opened at fourteen too, so you definitely don't get it. You're getting the worst of the number now. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I would not touch. If you're if you're looking to bet college futures, you gotta look and see who's returning. Who's leaving? I mean, it's it's so don't just blindly bet the defending national champion. There's a lot more that goes into it than that. So LSU at plus one thousand. I'm looking at ten teams here that I think I would pick over LSU next year. Oh, e- easy. I mean, you know the like I said, every every draft el- eligible junior basically went. Uh, Joe Brady leaves to go be the offensive coordinator for the Panthers. Then Dave Aranda, the the defensive coordinator, leaves as well. So it's uh. It, it's it's not looking good for the Tigers for next year. So just even if uh, they, even if they didn't want to leave, they might have to now because Odell Beckham paid them. So right, <laughs> he might have forced their. <laughs> God, how ridiculous is that? I mean, that is just that is so stupid. What are what are those kids supposed to do? Act like the money's on fire and just like drop it on the ground or something? You know, I mean, like it's it's a dude who's one of their heroes and he's like handing them money. Like I have no idea as a yeah nineteen year old or twenty year old kid what what you're supposed to do. I have no idea. Yeah, in that moment, like, yeah, yeah, it's the whole thing. It's just, I mean, should he have done that? Probably not. No, but, no, uh, no. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, like on, on on Odell, I get it. You're not supposed to do that, and he should know better. But if if you're the actual kids themselves, like everyone's like, well, I mean, you know, they know you're supposed to not whatever. I'm like, they just won a national championship. One of the school's biggest heroes ever is out there handing out hundred dollar bills. I mean, Jay, I'm I'm probably not thinking in the heat of the moment right there. Like, oh, I should probably not grab this hundred dollar bill from Odell Beckham. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. 
Odell Beckham might not have been thinking as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know what to think on some of that. But uh, put the kids in an interesting position there. One other comment on the futures, because we were talking about your Clemson plus eight and getting the best number or getting even a better number in the national championship game. Clearly, these futures, you can shop and shop and see significant variance in odds you can take. And and we went through this last year when both Clemson and Alabama were two to one, or the, the, the Heisman chase, we had two, two guys that were two to one and, you know, looked like both of them were going to be right there. And yet uh, Trevor Lawrence ultimately fell out quickly. So, you know, you try to get the best number and shop the odds. But early at this point, you see LSU even at 16 to one right now at FanDuel. You want to, uh, if you're making those you want to have be certain you know what players are coming back and and be able to shop and see the significant difference in the in the future numbers if you are a baseball fan and even if you're not if you just watch any of the sports programming over the last week you certainly know what's going on in the giant fallout from the astros cheating scandal and uh you know one of the things that we continue to kind of look into as from a sports betting aspect is did the books even care through all of this now brett if people are maybe you know living under a rock here and haven't been following along why don't you give them kind of the brief of what's happening here and then we can talk about what we're looking at from a sportsbook perspective well we already knew that the houston astros cheated uh, in 2017 using cameras and a trash can to relay pitches to hitters inside the batter's box at home games i know evan gaddis was was the the big figure uh, that was kind of caught doing it uh, in 2017. Now there are allegations of players wearing buzzers that relays uh, tips pitches while they're in the batter's box. Hard to say at this point whether or not it's true, but uh, the internet certainly found some interesting videos and pictures to add to the case. So now you've got several players involved in this. Uh, managers have already been fired. Uh, a couple of Houston uh, coaches were fired. Joey Cora uh, over in Boston. Uh, was was let go. Carlos Beltran, who was involved in it, over he was fired as the Mets head coach last week. So uh, a lot of fallout, and now uh, it kind of puts the books in a weird spot. Like, how good is this team really, and how do we set the lines going forward? Yeah, I would say quite the fallout when ten percent of the managers in the league get fired before the season even starts here with something like this. Jay, whenever this story started coming out and you started to to hear uh how you know this was kind of dropping and playing, one, what were your thoughts on it? And two, how did you expect or did you not expect at all for the books to react to it? Well, they took sign stealing and such to another level and I definitely thought there would be pretty significant uh ramifications for it but as i read and saw more of of uh what how it went down and what was happening it's it it's sad it's too bad but it's not surprising to me that they really hit the hammer here on uh, not only the managers but some of the gms and and then the mets hiring of the manager and what was going to happen here i thought there's no chance he's going to hold his job and you know they have to set a precedent this is uh, something that should not happen and should not go on and if you're going to you know we saw a, a different variation of it when the steroids era came and, and, and even then you knew the commissioner and the trainers knew what was going on. This, you know, was hidden for a while and now it has to be punished accordingly. Brett, one of your very favorite uh, things happened as well. We got a refund from the, uh, from one of the sports books from the fallout <laughs> from this. And I know how much you love that the, these arbitrary refunds, but uh, we got one here. Yeah, the Karma Committee is back at points, but they refunded Yankees futures uh, from last season because the Yankees lost to the Astros uh, in the ALCS, I believe. Yes. Um, yeah. Are, are we surprised that uh, they did this? No, we're not. Uh, is it good business for points? But yeah, I, I, I believe it is. So I understand why they're using these refunds as a marketing spend, but Again, my issue is with the perception that this, is, that this is how sports betting works and will continue to work as points bet expands into new markets, as liquidity increases. I don't believe these promotions will continue. I also take issue with the randomness and, and you know, they're, they're arbitrary in a lot of cases. Like why certain teams and specific types of bets get refunds while others don't is – I guess you could call it unfair. I, like, I understand they're giving away free money and we as betters shouldn't complain about free money, but I think I'm thinking long-term here. 
And I just, I just think it looks bad for the industry that they're doing this. When we look back at this ten years from now, I think this is just going to look it's 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 weird more than anything else that they're doing this. I, I monitored along with the books here and kind of followed and really and truly, I did not see any movement of note at all um, from any of this stuff. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it's still the players are still the players on the team and, and how that goes. So I, I don't know if you guys saw anything that was is worth mentioning here. But as far as as far as the odds go, I didn't see anything of of actual note. Well, the Astros opened at 99 and a half uh, wins at points bet last month. That was before Garrett Cole signed with the Yankees. The number moved to 97 and a half at most books. Uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, they held at 97 and a half through most of last week and then took the Astros off the board. Uh, the futures are still there, plus 600 at both sites. I saw Caesars in Nevada opened the Astros at 94 wins last week. This is all just super fascinating because we don't know what happened and how much player performance was impacted by the extent of the cheating. So I, I would, I really want to talk to the books this week, a few of them and see how they're attacking this because uh, you could, I mean, there could be like a three to four win difference or discrepancy between the books is how they, how they view this. I know FanDuel doesn't have they've, – they've taken them down, as you mentioned, Brett. What was the opening number that you thought had uh, FanDuel with Houston? Uh, they were at 97 and a half, and they were there for several days while this was all going down last week. I was following it pretty closely, and then over the weekend, I think they just uh, took it off the board. Correct. These, these win totals that are close to 100 anyway, I like tend to – fade as it is i mean like one key injury you know like like one big injury and it could be it could be the end of of all of that so yeah i don't know i don't i, I could see these things falling for sure no doubt uh, about that so we've got some DraftKings news for you guys and before we get into the the bigger news or some smaller news here um, they opened an office here in nevada and i know if you're listening to this and living in nevada you're saying oh did they does that means DraftKings is coming to nevada well not necessarily. They are going to run their casino operation out of there. They're going to run their fraud team out of there. And yes, there will be Johnny Avello and the crew doing some trading and whatnot out of there as well. The sports betting department will have a piece of that office over there. But um, when asked when, you know, were they coming to Nevada and what the plans were for all of that, they said, uh, yes, but we can't tell you when we don't know when we don't, we just know it's a long process here. And so, um, we we know that DraftKings wants to be in all 50 any state that allows legal sports wagering. DraftKings wants to be a part of. We know that that is for true. But uh, as you know, just because they open this giant new office here in town does not mean that we will you know be able to be betting on that DraftKings app here anytime soon. And uh, Jay, that's unfortunate for us because as we as we've talked about several times on the pod, we are certainly clamoring for a new betting option here within the borders of the great state of Nevada, and uh, DraftKings would certainly be a welcome addition. I don't think there's any question, and you know, no DFS here in Nevada as well as the sports betting would add another dimension. And I think um, you know they're 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 coming out in a in a major book and a major one that's going to continue throughout the United States. And I think you know with offices here, you would you would hope anyway that over time they're going to uh, turn that around in Nevada and become a, a legal operator here as well. You know, Brett, really the the path to to legalization um, in in Nevada for DraftKings really has gotten a lot murkier. You know, there was a a partnership that you know we talked about on this pod way back when. Uh, between them that was announced at least between them and Caesars and then literally we've not heard a word about it since and even when kind of asked about that they they said yeah it's gotten real tricky of course we've we talked about here on the podcast as well that El Dorado has now acquired Caesars that will be a rollout uh, you know that that is kind of coming over the next you know year to 18 months that there will be you know a new ownership group behind Caesars which El Dorado already had sports betting partnerships in place outside of DraftKings uh, mainly with William Hill so it's uh the path to the path to getting up and running here for DraftKings in Nevada is actually a little a little tricky because there's just not a lot of people left for them to partner with 
Right. So I, I haven't followed the news of the Vegas office all that closely. My question is, why why Vegas? Like if all these bigger states are opening up shop and DraftKings already has uh, you know a path to legal sports betting there, why why Vegas? Well, um, so as I mentioned, they're going to run their online casino out of here. And um, mainly if you kind of look at that and you, you know, as, as well as anyone, the giant numbers that online casino does. And we know that that's going to be legal, you know, in more and more states going forward as well, kind of put in conjunction with these sports betting bills that start to pass in some of these states. And uh, basically just all the casino companies are located here. So anyone that, you know, anyone that makes any slot machine, any video poker machine, any, any machine, they're all here. And so, you know, not only acquiring talent to work on that side of their business uh, is much easier because there's just a, a gigantic talent pool that's already here. But then also just working with the operators pretty closely and doing different things. You know, I, I it would not surprise me. We talk about the splash that they are making, you know, in the sports betting side of things that once casino gets, you know, once casino gets going in many more states with as with as much as they're willing to take risks, you know, Brett, and, and as much as they want to kind of be a, a leader in the industry, it wouldn't surprise me to see DraftKings step up and try to, you know, take a, a firm position on the casino side as well. As they should. I mean, we, you know, we talk about sports betting and poker a lot on this show. We don't talk a lot of casino, but casino's king. That's where that's where the big money is. You look at, uh, you know, the numbers out of New Jersey and, and Nevada every, every year, and uh, that is where the big return is. So uh, I get it. Uh, you, you definitely made a lot of sense there with the, you know, why they moved into Nevada. I, I totally get that. So, um, yeah, that this this makes sense. And, you know, you go on the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now, you have a, you know, it's pretty in clear view, the the casino. It's not hard to find the blackjack right. and, uh, and uh, the slots there. So it's, they're definitely making that transition. And then kind of under the radar, you uh, posted this in our in our Slack channel. And I haven't even seen a ton of people even talking about this yet, but the DraftKings Sports Betting Spring Championship has been announced. This is something that we were trying to follow. Uh, you, if you were with us last year, it was, a, it was a football contest that was located over in New Jersey. Brett and I went over there and uh, covered it, and uh, it, you know, for for by and large, I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good experience. I thought it was a good contest. A little bit of controversy at the end, but uh, you know, that was just by a little bit more of a lack of foresight than it was, you know, real quote unquote controversy. And, um, you know, here we are and they have skipped this football season and are heading in with a basketball contest, Brett. Yeah, we got our hopes up for a December version. Apparently that was the plan, according to Johnny Avello. So we were we were looking at a DraftKings Sports Betting National Championship right in the heart of football season with every sport colliding. But that did not pan out. So now it looks like there will be a spring edition of the event taking place in New Jersey in March uh, during the first full weekend of March Madness. It's a $5,000 entry, $1.5 million guaranteed, I believe. Most of the format from the first event will carry over to this one. Uh, players will start with the same bankroll and the better with the highest bankroll at the end of the Sunday uh, uh, sports slate. It'll, it'll be a basketball slate this time. Uh, wins the contest. Yeah, except it will be NBA and college basketball only, which I am sad to see. I thought what made the first event so fascinating is you had guys just blasting every sport on on the on the calendar that uh, like just finding any way possible to to build their bankroll through soccer or NHL or golf especially I know uh, Rufus Peabody had a big uh, golf parlay to, to climb the leaderboard that one day so I mean that 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 part of it was so cool guys just attacking the the, the tournament uh, from different angles so. I think it's cool that it's it's taking place during the first weekend of March Madness, which is obviously such a huge betting weekend. But I would have liked to see more sports as well. Jay, you're you're plugged in. You talk to a lot of pro bettors and you know a lot of those guys. Um, it's a five thousand dollar buy in for this contest. Um, you know, one thing that we knew from with it being with the last one being a football contest is you can convince a casual better that he knows a lot about football. Like I, I talked to and Brett, you and I did, we talked to several people. We were there, several just casual people. Maybe they paired up with, you know, a few of their friends and they became kind of a group and they entered, but everybody kind of thinks they know football. 
Now we're talking basketball, which is certainly a much more uh, a much more in depth handicap, much more in depth in depth sport because it's an everyday thing. So you really, really have to be on top of everything. You really, really have to know your way around. And certainly, some of these mid major to even low level college basketball uh, leagues out there. I know guys that make you know massive amounts of money just betting college basketball teams you've never heard of. So I, I I fear, I guess, a little bit with this one. My only fear in this one is that this one really does cater to the super kind of super handicapper, more definite pro better type thing and is less appealing to the casual fan. I think absolutely with the with more exclusivity, it looks like towards basketball in the college, specifically in the NCAA tournament. You guys saw it up close and and saw the different strategies that came into play in the initial contest when they had it. And you mentioned you had guys doing the some parlays to get back. You saw a lot of guys bust out early, and then you saw the strategy come in as guys were playing late and how they went about making much bigger bets on specific games as, uh, to move up the leaderboard later. This is going to be more focused, it appears anyway, during the NCAA tournament on college basketball with uh, much of that offering and guys, as you said, handicappers specifically that have really been on top of the college uh, hoops. But with the tournament itself drawing most of the action, you're not, it, it wouldn't seem anyway that you're going to have uh, the smaller conferences and the obscure teams as, as many to choose from if, in fact, it's over that weekend of the tournament because I would think most of the games offered are going to be from the college basketball in the tournament. But it's uh, it'll be, I think, another variance and in, in interesting strategy to see how the players play it out. But I, I still think they'll get a good turnout, a, a very good turnout, I think. And you'll see more pros uh, probably focusing on something like this. It just won't have apparently as much cross sports and, and maybe the, the the different strategies that you had in the initial contest. But I think you're going to this is part of the growing segment that you're going to see. And if it if it's the success that they anticipate and I would think they're going to draw in, and maybe a entry point as far as a, um, the entry fee, I think you're going to see more and more of this and uh, you'll you'll see them coming out during the different and uh, different sports seasons. Will we see Matt Brown enter this thing again? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I um. I don't know. I'm, I'll think about it. It's just a, it's kind of a bad time of year, and it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I, I, I'll fully admit, you know, I, I definitely will shift to NBA once the Super Bowl is over and, and really start digging in much, much, much deeper, and and same as with college hoops. But I, I would be a dog for sure. I'd be a pretty big dog going into this, and so I kind of know my limitations when it comes to these things. So I don't know. We'll have to see. Maybe I'll find a, a partner or two or something like that to kind of take some of the the financial risk out of it. I mean, they need 500 people for this thing, for the prize pool to not overlay. They are guaranteeing a million and a half, 500,000 of that will go to first place. If you don't know how this works, it's a $5,000 buy-in, 3,000 goes to the prize pool, 2,000 is your live bankroll. And when I say live bankroll, I mean live bankroll. Whenever you finish the, whenever you finish the tournament, whatever you have in your account is yours to keep. So um, that money is real money that you are betting with. It's not like a poker tournament where there's just like tournament chips or something like that. So it, it's real $2,000. And we saw guys get up into the six figures la uh, last time, Brett. Like they, they not only were winning on the leaderboard, but, you know, they had run their accounts up to, you know, $140,000, $125,000 over the course of two and a half days. Yeah, and placing huge bets on that Sunday, too. We're talking like mid five figures uh, just to, to take a shot at the, the top prize. It was it was it was really cool to see. I'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah, I hope that they I hope that they are just, you know, took this year off of football to kind of refine it and figure out what the best way to go about it is. And they bring it back for next year because I would definitely uh, jump back in that thing. I think that's the contest. plan because they call this the spring championship. Right. So I think they're definitely planning on something. I, I would hope for like November, December. And that would be, I think that one would just be completely massive. I think that one could be so, so huge. And especially with yeah. them being available in as many markets as they are now, you could either, you could even run like local satellites to get into this thing, you know, like, like within the, within the sports books in the various States, Mississippi and, you know, in Iowa and whatever, and all these different ones to, uh, to be able to get in. So uh, that would be super fun. Hope, hopefully they head that direction. Well, guys, as you well know, we are, we are with our two teams for the Super Bowl here. It will be the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers that will be playing in this. But let's go ahead and talk just quickly 
about what went on on Sunday here. We wanted to get you a podcast bright and early on Monday because instant reactions here, instant re- instant actions, uh, reactions to the moves, the lines, everything's like that. But uh, Jay, I'll start with you here in the first game. The Chiefs go out, and you know, while it was kind of a sweat there towards the end because of a. A fake punt that was successful. It seems like if they'd have been in punt safe that the Chiefs would have just uh, absolutely moonwalked to a cover. They did get the cover home. And, you know, look, they were able to do something that no one's been able to do over the past month of the season. And that was slow down Derrick Henry. Got the Titans out of their game plan. And when that happened, it was, uh, you know, it was going to be tough to beat the Chiefs, I think. Yeah, an interesting momentum switch again with Tennessee jumping out 10 nothing, but it was uh, all Kansas City moving forward. In fact, uh, with Tennessee leading 17-7, to from that point on through the end of the third quarter and the first plays of the fourth quarter, I posted something and, and they started to show the stat lines that uh, Kansas City outgained them 200-22 to through the third quarter, 16-1 to first downs. And then when they... Uh, gave the ball back. Now they now they go up uh, 28-17 and they give the ball back, hold Tennessee to like 17 yards and then get the 80-yard drive with the 60-yard touchdown. Just a dominant, dominant turn of events. And I, you know, like to play more underdogs. I couldn't make a case for either underdog in these games. To me, it was favorites or pass. And I ended up teasing both of them real strong. And, and I just... You know, if you look back to last year, the final four teams in the championship games certainly all were pretty, pretty solid. And I, I didn't think overall, even though Tennessee was playing real well coming in and as well as Green Bay, they were running into much stronger teams and their defensive profiles, I think, didn't match up uh, to, to be championship caliber. And it kind of played out that way. But the Titans, real good season and their running attack um, kept them in again early and, and they were controlling the ball. That was the key, I think, what, what we ultimately had to have. But um, um, when KC decided it was time to turn it on a little bit more, you saw the difference in the explosive, not only offense, but able to uh, contain a little bit. The thing that's beautiful about the betting and the prop bets specifically is when ten, when you mentioned that they went for that fourth down and ten, that they got the ball back. Now it was Tannehill. <laughs> for those that had a you know over under on Tannehill passing, if he wouldn't got the ball back, you were easily under on the under. But when they got the ball back, <laughs> now this is what I think he had 200 yards when they got it back, and so if he was able to get depending on the number again. It, fluctuated from around 219 it was as high as the 230s but if he would have been able to sustain a drive he might have been able to get over his passing yards which is again why there's so much interest in so many different ways to bet on these games and have interest in the player props as well yeah I was uh one of I was heavy on the Chiefs just uh at seven when that when the hook fell off of this one and I was able to get the Chiefs at a touchdown that was kind of my buy point. Um, I let everybody know, so this isn't like me talking about stuff, you know, after the fact. If you uh, watch the videos that we produce for the lines and uh, also put it out on Twitter before the game started, I, I, I got on the Chiefs heavy at, at seven, felt really, really good about it until when I saw that the, when I saw them give up that that fake punt and then them go down and score quickly. And I'm like, I can't believe I even have to sweat this because this game has been pretty dominated from after about the, you know, the the seven minute, eight minute mark in the first quarter, Brett, this uh, very rarely am I able to handicap a game and it play out kind of exactly like I thought it was going to. But this was one of those situations where I said, I hope that I think that the Chiefs are able to get out to a lead on this Tennessee team. The Tennessee team has to get out of rhythm that they have not had to do very often over the last two months of the season. And that is when Ryan Tannehill is having to drop back and throw way more than they want him to. And I don't know how effective he is going to be able to be when that becomes the case. What we saw, he only throws 209 yards, only 6.7 yards per attempt. He takes three sacks in the game. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's got some pretty good receivers. You know, obviously, A.J. Brown, we have a lot of uh, hope for this guy going forward. He's just a rookie, but again, still just a rookie. Jonu Smith, again, second. Uh, he wa- he was going to be their second option at tight end, you know, this was still Delaney Walker's position. John U. Smith was going to be second team. Corey Davis has basically disappointed for a long time now. And so, you know, I think forcing this Titans team out of the, hey, we're going to hand it to Henry over 30 times a game, which he only got 19 carries for 69 yards at a 3.6 per clip, uh, per, per touch clip right there. Uh, I just did not see a path to victory for the Titans team. And uh, you, you see an 11 point victory here for the Chiefs. 
Yeah, this just isn't the script the Titans operate well out of. It started out pretty promising. They were up 10 nothing. This is the second straight week the Chiefs started out slow out of the gate, but they score so quickly and as soon as they are in, you know, ahead by a touchdown, they just put a stranglehold on teams that can't keep pace. And the Titans are definitely not one of those teams. Ryan Tannehill is not a guy who can just get chunks uh, through the air time after time, it's just not going to happen. So yeah, it, the Titans really, once, you know, once they went into the half and they gave up that long drive to Mahomes at the end of the, uh, the end of the first half, I mean, that was, that was it, right. I, I didn't see them coming uh, back from that. So um, yeah, you called it that this, this went the chiefs way uh, right out of the, the second quarter. They just poured it on and um, man, it's, it's a scary fast offense that the, the night, the Niners are going to have to, to contain not a ton really to break down here in the nfc championship game i had a small piece of the packers money line because i did not think this would be like a closely contested game i figured it was the packers either win the game or it's going to be you know the 49ers it ended up being the 49ers they win by 17 37 to 20 over the packers the game goes over the total and um the only other bets I had in this one, which uh, I was fairly confident in, was I had all the Devontae Adams overs. Uh, I had the over on receptions and over on yardage because I just thought from volume, from a volume standpoint, he would get there. I didn't think necessarily it would be efficient. I was wrong there. He caught nine of 11 balls that was thrown that were thrown in his direction, nine for uh, 138. So both of them get there. But I thought, you know, I thought he might see upwards of 15 targets in this game. That was just not the case with how things played out. Brett, I'll start with you on this one. Um, you know, you see this dominating performance. You see the 49ers go in and just, you know, boat race this Packers team. And then you look at the box score and you see kind of a Tannehill-esque line for Jimmy Garoppolo. He only throws eight passes the whole course of the game, 77 yards. There was a point where he went an hour and 22 minutes of real lifetime between throwing passes in the, in during the, during the game, because they just didn't need him at all. Uh, does that worry you at all going forward with this 49ers team that, uh, you know, they really, you, I mean, Kyle Shanahan showed it last week as well when he basically said, all right, Jimmy, you're not throwing very good passes. We're just not going to let you throw it. And they ran seven straight times at one point, And then another time, another point they ran six straight times, uh, even last week, does it worry you at all about Garoppolo? Should this 49ers team need him to make some plays in the Super Bowl? Yeah, it didn't worry me until now. Now that they they go into this matchup with KC, where they're going to have to put up points on the board and keep pace with Mahomes, because the, you know this is a team that we've seen in positive script all season, and what they do well is pound the ball, uh, control the clock and just dominate teams that way. I don't see it happening against uh, Mahomes and this KC offense. So it sets up a really interesting matchup because I, I think we're going to see San Francisco out of its comfort zone and uh, in kind of a script that we haven't seen them in for most of the season. And Jay, you, I know you were a winner on this one because you said you teased both, both of the favorites here. Did you think you were going to get home as easily on this one as you did? I, I mean, I think that... You know, the 37-20 score here, I don't even know if it really truly reflects what what an ass-kicking this this really was. I mean, there was some late late heroics there from, from Rodgers and Adams to kind of, you know, make this thing look a little bit better than it was. But if you, you watch this game with your eyeballs, this was, this was an ass-kicking. This was a domination. And unlike the, fir the first game, I had a real strong feel and play on Kansas City over the total. I nearly hit an exact on the score. I, I felt and, and I started to think about the comparison on the, the total of that first game versus what it would be in the Super Bowl when you had now the San Francisco top defense. And that's why I thought. Um, when I was a little surprised the number the total came down in the Kansas City game before kick other than the weather factor I still thought there's gonna be there's gonna be more scoring in this game but the San Francisco one is a handicap I didn't uh, I certainly like I said um, wasn't gonna play the underdog but uh, I already had played San Francisco before the divisional, divisional round to win both against the Vikings and whoever they played in the championship game and th this is where the stats are misleading I mean the totals the total numbers turned out to be 358 at 6.2 yards per play for Green Bay and 354 total yards for San Francisco at 6.9. But in the second quarter, when this game was 17 to nothing, the yards were 136 to 18 favoring San Francisco. And, and uh, 
the Packers had minus four passing yards. So this is where the t- how the game's playing out, especially in prop bets and when you try to get a feel for the game. You know, Rodgers ends up going over his, his passing total and has like 290-some net passing yards. And yet he was at minus four in the second quarter. And that's because they could fall so far behind. And ultimately, uh, San Fran is you know, leading 27 nothing, And now they're playing a little softer on the defense. And the passing comes through a little bit more for Green Bay. But this was completely one-sided and you know going in it's, it's a fascinating matchup now in the Super Bowl because these I, I believe and I thought these were the two best teams moving forward and they both get there Kansas City thought was going to be able to get there instead of Baltimore and and it's a fascinating matchup like you said because of the not only explosive offense and the the pre-snap motion and the way Kansas City can um, uh, have different looks and variations on offense, but also they're now going to face a, t- a defense that has tremendous speed sideline to sideline in the 49ers, and their statistical profile is one of the very best pass defenses showed up. And and while Green Bay moved the ball late, I think we're going to see a m- much more competitive game in the Super Bowl. And I kind of go back, you know, it's going to be interesting on the total, which has been bet up already. The Super Bowl total has been bet up. I think it opened 51 in places. I saw 52 and a half here at Circa and now it's up to 53 what's interesting is that um, how it how it plays out and both teams have the capability we saw in the New Orleans San Francisco game uh, a 90 you know 46 44 type of game in the uh, regular season so even though San Francisco's statistical profile is very strong they're uh, now going to face another type of offense that can certainly move the ball we will run down all of those uh, kind of opening lines where they sit here in just a second but before we do that Brett our old boy, our old buddy Mac, he was back, and this time it was not even to hedge any sort of promotion. He just uh, felt like, I guess, getting down some big wagers this weekend. Yeah, Mattress Mac is a loser again. He lost his uh, Astros hedges in October, November. And this this weekend he bet a million dollars on the Tennessee Titans to beat the Kansas City Chiefs uh, money line. Uh, he put $500,000 down at the Beau Rivage in Mississippi, $500,000 at the Scarlet Pearl in Mississippi. And uh, poor Mac, it was, it was look, like I said, it was looking really good early on for him. It would have paid out $3 million. It was a three to, three to one odds on the money line for the Titans to beat the Chiefs. Uh, and it, uh, it all came crashing down pretty quickly there in that second quarter. Yeah, they asked him. They asked him what was going on. He had some kind of cockamamie deal about he had a he has race horses and that Derrick Henry reminds him of a race. I don't know something <laughs> along <laughs> something along those lines of why he wanted to back the Titans or something. I I don't know. But uh, regardless, as you mentioned, goes over there, gets it down at MGM and gets it down at DraftKings. Uh, those are the two sports books that he was able to. Basically, he floated out there that he wanted three to one. Um, the the prevailing number was not three to one uh, for the Titans, but he wanted three to one, and they both said, "Hey, we had a good time with you last time. Why don't you make that flight on over here, my friend? We'll <laughs> we'll we'll take your half million dollar bet." And uh, so they both took it, and as you mentioned, another one million another one million dollar win there for Mississippi uh, this month. It'll be it'll be interesting. They needed it for sure because they lost their ass on LSU. So that was uh, they needed that other they needed that million to come in for sure. <laughs> Although I guess they probably won a, a good bit on the Saints losing as well. So the, the numbers in Mississippi will be pretty interesting for us to monitor. No doubt about that. It, it- if Mattress Mac could have had some in-game when they're up 10 nothing, he could have certainly got some of that back if he was playing accordingly. But Seriously. Yeah. Seriously, that would have been the way to go, man. Um, all right, Brett, so you and I were kind of monitoring you mostly, but I was trying to to help out a little bit monitoring what these uh, – what these odds were sitting at and where things are, are, are sitting as, you know, these books were just firing off over and over and over again, where, you know, the, what they were opening at, where the lines were going, uh, predominantly here in Vegas, uh, the majority of the ones that came out early seemed to have opened at pick, right? I mean, that was not what really, what we really saw over on the East coast where it seemed right. like most people who opened over there opened at a point or point and a half, but, uh, pretty much everybody, I mean, I know cause I went ahead and threw a, I went ahead and threw a Chiefs uh, pick them in my in my account here in in Nevada just because I wanted to have it in my pocket in case I figured that the line was going to move rapidly in favor of the Chiefs. I just assume everyone, Patrick Mahomes, they're sexy. They score a lot of points. They're passing all over the place. I I, I thought this thing might get 
all the way to two, two and a half, you know, before the the initial frenzy got over with. But uh, didn't seem to be the case. I was stunned last night when I saw Westgate and some of these other books open this as a pick. I mean, this happened, I believe, right around halftime with the Niners Packers game. Uh, The Niners were just blowing doors off. An undeserving Packers team, a team that really had no business being in the NFC Championship. So I felt like there was a major recency bias in that number, especially when you looked at some of the look-aheads. I mean, Fandle had a look-ahead of two and a half on the Chiefs Niners, the Chiefs minus two and a half, which I thought was pretty fair. I had the Chiefs, you know, about two and a half, three points better than the Niners. So I thought that was a a good number. And uh, Fandle kept uh, a live uh, spread throughout the entire Niners Packers game and that was around Chiefs minus one and a half over the Niners and that's where it stayed through most of the night so um, yeah I was I was extremely surprised and it sounds like a lot of the money early came in on the Chiefs after these uh, these Vegas books opened it as a pick and I think um, where where's where are the numbers as of this morning in Vegas. Yeah. So across the board here in Vegas and that, and when I say across the board, I mean across the board, everybody (laughs) is sitting at one right now. So it's chiefs minus one. And I'm talking that's Westgate, South point circa golden nugget, Wynn, William Hill station casinos, uh, Caesars and MGM. They are all sitting at uh, chiefs, Minus one this morning. So that is where this is kind of settled. Most of them did, I think, open at pick. I mean, I know I got it at pick at one of the books here um, and it didn't last incredibly long. It got to one fairly quick and where where Chiefs money was coming in. But uh, I know Westgate announced they opened at one. I know Circa. I think you have. Yeah, I think we even were trading kind of some of the the tweets and stuff that they were putting out. I, I think Circa announced that they they definitely opened at pick. And I think the, the South Point did as well. Yeah, and as of this morning, when I'm looking at the some of the other some of the East Coast books here, we've got DraftKings, Points Bet, Sugar House, FanDuel, all at one and a half. So uh, pretty interesting. Just seeing where these opened versus you know West Coast versus East Coast, and you know the 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 established books versus kind of the upstarts. Uh, it, it's it's pretty cool to see. So, Jay, when you looked at this, kind of obviously the first thing we do, because we, you know, we bet. So one of the first things we st- probably started thinking about was was the line and what this line was going to open at and what you thought it might be. What were you thinking when it came to uh, 49ers and the Chiefs? Well, I didn't bet right away, and I'm not going to. I've, I've got a position on both teams. I had futures from a handful of weeks ago on both of them. Um, I've got an exact of 49ers over Chiefs at eight to one, bet that a number of weeks ago, and I think um, the number didn't surprise me. Except I, I saw an advance line that was two and a half on KC, and then I saw William Hill actually had it pick them before these championship games are played. So it's right in line where I thought I I definitely uh, anticipated a little bit more. Even though when I saw it at one, I thought they're probably going to see a little bit of Kansas City money. The total going up doesn't surprise me, but I'm not convinced that's uh, all the cases. I mentioned as a comparison, when I thought that, okay, Tennessee and Kansas City have a total in that low 50s, and that's on Kansas City's home field, and they're facing a weaker defense, and I thought, you know, that super bowl line is probably going to be right around 50 as well for a total, and uh, here now you have a top, top defense in San Francisco, so you can see and you anticipate you start to look ahead a little bit, but the line itself, um, you know, two best teams, really good matchup. The one thing I'll say in San Francisco's favor, and that doesn't mean I'm convinced they're going to win, but um, they, you know, they just beat the Vikings and Green Bay. And although there might be some question on how good those teams were, I'll t- I think through the first half of the regular season, the NFC North was considered the best division in in the National Football League, and they were showing out with the Lions playing better and the Bears better. And so from a divisional standpoint and who had the, who they were playing, I certainly think that San Francisco played the better teams coming through the playoffs because Houston and Tennessee were good, but that they, they showed their defensive profiles were not just not good enough. And Kansas City got them at home in good, solid situations and, and put up a ton of points. But this is a, an intriguing matchup. You're going to see a lot of props and have to figure out how to break it down. I can clearly 
make a case, I think, for both teams. Uh, so real positives on either side in the matchups. But uh, no position yet for me other than I'm, I'm going to be a winner, unfortunately, either way because I've got futures on both these teams. Of course, had some losers on the Vikings in advance before, but um, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of wait to see where the line ultimately goes. And it'll be a really good matchup and, a, I think, an exceptional Super Bowl this year. That is a good feeling to have, though, my friend. That is a good feeling to have when you know that you are a winner no matter what. So that is that is a good way to be. Uh, Brett, don't want to run too long here, but I think it's worth us putting out that, hey, if you are a prop better and you if you had some ideas about how you might attack this game if you wanted to go at it, uh, they wasted no time getting a bunch of props up, especially over at DraftKings. I mean, you can literally get down a ton of different props right now, including everything from the novelty props and, and all the things like that. I mean, you can even guess the coin toss winner as we want as, right now. You can guess uh, you can even guess the, the team to win the coin toss and the game. They have that prop. They have the coin toss, you know. Uh, outcome, whether you want to do heads or tails, whether you want to pick the Chiefs or the 49ers to win it. So, I mean, they they wasted no time to let people start kind of firing away at these uh, at these nutty props anyway. Yeah, and there's a lot of them up, like you said. Uh, basically, every touchdown prop is already up at DraftKings. Guys, you know, scoring two-plus touchdowns, three-plus touchdowns, uh, scoring first, last, scoring it all for every player. So, I mean, if, if you want to get down early, DraftKings is the place to do that right now. PointsBet, I know, has a lot of player props, yardage props up already. They are, they've are they always been super aggressive with this kind of stuff, so not surprising to see them uh, out early with that. And you can bet the coin toss pretty much anywhere right now. Not a whole lot of thinking going in there. I think you can get it at my, minus 103 at DraftKings and, and FanDuel right now. And, of course, Super Bowl MVP is also available at, at most of the uh, – uh, the online legal books, um, Patrick Mahomes, no surprise around even money to win that. Jimmy Garoppolo up there as well. So, I mean, it's it's Monday. We're recording this Monday morning, and there's already so many different ways to get money down on the Super Bowl other than, you know, just the, the, the money line spread and total. So uh, definitely have a look. Uh, if you want to shop around, I, I would imagine some of these lines or some of these props will be up at uh, – FanDuel and some of the other books uh, early in the week as well. And we will follow up. We'll have, you know, obviously tons of articles over at the Lions oh, and yeah. Play Picks. We will have, uh, we'll talk about it here on the podcast as well once we have a chance to kind of soak some of these in, digest some of these things. And I'll have, uh, I'll have videos as well that we'll be posting on our YouTube channel. So be sure. And if you're not already a subscriber to the Play Picks and the Lions YouTube channels, be sure and go ahead and hit that subscribe button because uh, every and all the content we do is absolutely free. Everything on the lines, everything on play picks, and of course everything on all the videos and stuff we make are completely free. So be sure and take advantage of that, and don't let these get by you. I actually uh, ran ran the numbers, fellas. I hit props at uh, I hit props at seventy six percent this year. So wow. uh, So that's a. Uh, it was by far, by far my best year on uh, on props this year. So it was, uh, you know, look, I think a lot of it, and, and Brett, you and I have talked about this before. I mean, listen, there's there's a lot of the the DFS that kind of bleeds over into this prop stuff. And I, I fully, I, 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 listen, I'm not going to sit here and try to say I, I can see the future or that there's, uh, there's some sort of magic sauce here. I mean, I really do. I, I My time playing DFS has really and truly, made this prop thing much more profitable for me because basically it's all we do in the DFS world whenever you're trying to put players into lineups is projecting their performance and like what what could be their ceiling what could be their floor and what are we looking at from a median standpoint here and so um, you know I think that with props I think there still will be at least for the next couple years I mean they're going to really you know the the more popular they get and the more sharp they're going to get but I, I still think that there's a little bit of an edge in the prop game. How do you typically get down in the Super Bowl props? Do you fire a lot of them or does, does it depend on the game, the matchup? Yeah, I mean, I started thinking about the potential matchups last week and where I thought there might be some edges in the props here. And this is the one this is actually the one that I was kind of hoping for the most, because I think that there will be uh, some opportunity. I honestly believe that there will be some opportunity here in the passing game with the um with the chiefs. And so I'm kind of like going to really dig in and look into those. Cause I mean, you know, I, I, people are going to look at these defensive numbers and it's going to be built into the algorithm algorithms and all the stuff like that, how good the 49ers are. But I mean, you know, 
one of the things those algorithms don't can't really, you know, plug in is it's Patrick frickin Mahomes and it's Tyreek Hill who runs, you know, the 4140 and, and it's all these different things. So, I mean, we saw Devonte Adams toast Richard Sherman uh, in a one in one on one coverage in, in that game with the Packers even. And so good luck. You know, I mean, Sherman doesn't travel, so he's not going to shadow Tyreek Hill or anything like that. But I think they might intentionally line Tyreek Hill up sometimes against Sherman and and try and take that one on one matchup. And I don't know if y'all know or not, but I think y'all been watching football long enough to know Tyreek Hill's pretty fast. I don't know if y'all <laughs> I don't know if y'all been watching long enough for that. So I actually think Andy Reid might scheme up intentionally to get Hill into these one on one matchups with Sherman and uh, see see what happens there. So looking looking at some of these maybe like longest touchdown props and uh, different things like that. But we'll like I said, we'll get into all of those deals uh, in in depth here, not only on the podcast but in videos and articles as well and. Uh, hopefully try to make you guys some money throughout the course of literally the probably thousand different props you'll you'll be have the chance to bet on this game i mean like you said brett there's already several hundred out as it is right now they're only going to continue to put more so i imagine by the time we are recording the next podcast here in a week that there you'll probably have six seven eight hundred different ways you can bet this game yeah and if you are listening to us uh, especially from a legal betting market definitely check out our player props guide at the lines it's right on the home page we'll have all the various props and prices right on the same page so you can compare numbers of different books get the best price and also uh, get down on some of these special super bowl promotions that will surely be announced here in the next few days at uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, all the all the big books so i mean that that's definitely a a place uh, a page you'll want to bookmark leading up to the super bowl because we'll we'll keep those updated every single day Guys, as always, please go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We really do appreciate you guys listening to this. I really do appreciate you guys hanging in with all this, uh, with this scratchy voice that I have this week. So uh, thanks for hanging in here with us. And again, all the content we do is absolutely free. So you guys reading and clicking and coming along for the ride is what makes this all worth it. We are on the Twitter machine at the lines US and at PlayPixUS. So be sure and follow us there as well. For Jay, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.